Hey guys, just before we get started, I wanted to kind of put a swear warning because I realize I do in fact swear a lot and I just kind of want to make sure if any kitties are listening that uh, you should probably stop now if unless you're a mature child. And also I'd like to say, uh, sorry mom, <laughs> let's get started with the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Long May She Rain podcast. I'm Aiden. I'm your host for this podcast. I hope everyone is doing uh, well this week. Uh, yay, it's almost Christmas. Woo, holidays and shit. Um, so I hope you guys are uh, enjoying your Christmas break. Uh, so far I am. I finished my exams a couple of days ago and boy, oh my god, I'm so tired. <laughs> It was really exhausting, but I've been getting, uh, some of my marks have been coming back, and I've been doing pretty well, I'm just kind of waiting on my actual exams to be marked, I think I did them right, but <laughs> I'm still worried, I'm gonna, like, tank them, and I'm gonna do horrible, but I'll, I'll let you guys know how I'm doing. Um, so I actually, today, I brought a drink for this episode, uh, you'll hear about in the bonus episode that's gonna go up with this, I already talked about it, but I'm gonna talk about it again. So I tried to make, uh, hot chocolate with some, uh, Baileys in it, <laughs> and didn't go very well. Uh, the mug that I was using is not microwave safe, uh, so I couldn't heat it up because I didn't have any other mugs to put it in. So it's more like cold chocolate. Um, it tastes good, I've only had three sips, but, so... I've only ever had wine once, and that was when my birthday happened in October when I turned 19. Um, (laughs) And this is Bailey's. I've only had three sips. I don't know what tipsy feels like. I don't think I'm there yet. (laughs) But I feel weird. (laughs) My Irish ancestors would be so disappointed in my lack of alcohol tolerance. It tastes good. I just wish it was warm. I can't warm it up. Hold on, let's take another sip. Yeah, it still tastes good. I'd still have it again, but, like, next time I need to make sure I warm it up. I actually had an interesting experience going into a liquor store for the first time. So, I know I'm old enough. (laughs) So, I went in there, got my Baileys, and I go up to the counter, and the lady, I I give the lady my driver's license, because it's really the only thing I have for ID. Um, and she asked me to, like, pull my mask down so she can see my face, but, like, I totally expected her to, like, totally question if I was old enough, and, like, she didn't ask how old I was, she just, I guess she just wanted to check if the ID was actually mine. She did. And then I just left, and I felt like I committed a felony. (laughs) It was so awkward. (laughs) So I'm gonna just try to avoid going into liquor stores as much as possible, because that was weird. Alright, uh, enough of all that. Hope you guys have a great Christmas. Alright, let's get into the topic of hint. Today we are getting into the second half of Anne Boleyn's life. Uh, listen to part one. I am going to give a quick recap, but it won't be nearly as detailed as part one is. So just go check that out. I uh, hope you guys are excited. Let's get into it. Okay, before we actually get back into the story, I'm just going to do like a quick recap just so you uh, guys remember what happened. So here we go. So Anne Boleyn, born to a middle class noble family, grew up in the English countryside until she got the opportunity to 
attend a fancy finishing school in the Netherlands. So she goes, gets super well-educated, but after a political situation goes badly, her father has her moved to the service of the new Queen of France, Mary Tudor. But then the king dies, so Anne gets to serve the next Queen of France, Queen Claude, and she does that for about seven years uh, and spends her time in one of the most uh, cultured courts in Europe, uh, where she eventually gets to attend the biggest event of the century, the Field of Cloth of Gold, until her father asks her to come back home to get married to this random-ass dude named James Butler to settle inheritance disputes, but for some reason she doesn't end up marrying him, so she's like, oh, I'll just chill here at English court. Um, and while she's at English court, her sister is totally knocking boots with the king, but that's not important. Anyway, she catches the eye of the wealthy future Duke of Northumberland. They have a whirlwind romance, which ends with them having to break up because his daddy threatened to cut him off. So she leaves court because that was hashtag embarrassing. Uh, when she gets back, the king's marriage is on the rocks, and the king starts to take notice of her, and after a lot of back and forth between them, Anne eventually agrees to marry him once his first marriage is over. Anne has to wait about seven years for Henry to be able to get rid of Catherine his wife, which makes her pretty antsy during the time. She almost dies from the sweating sickness. She almost gets in trouble for having a book about the uh, Reformation until finally Henry declares himself supreme head of the Church of England and declares his marriage to his first wife invalid, but he needs approval of another monarch, so him and Anne go see the King of France, who is pretty chill about the whole thing, and when Anne and Henry get back to England, they're feeling pretty confident, so they have a secret wedding and finally have sex, and that's what you missed on Glee. <laughs> I tried to do that as fast as I can. I've been watching Glee, so I thought that would be funny. Anyway, let's jump back right into uh, where we last found Anne and Henry after they possibly secretly secretly got married. So uh, after they secretly got married, it was kind of revealed to the court that they were married piece by piece in the winter and spring of 1533, but there was also something else that everyone was starting to notice about Anne in this time. It was the fact that Anne's stomach started to get bigger and bigger, which means, surprise, she was pregnant. And by spring of 1533, it was pretty much blatantly obvious, and people were, you know, like, slowly starting to recognize Anne as queen. Now, Anne's coronation had been being planned for a while, but the festivities actually started on uh, May 29th, 1533, where Anne would have made her way to the Tower of London, where she would sleep the night before her coronation. And ironically, it's also the place she ends up dying at the end of the story, but we'll get to that. Uh, you, you, you might think it was weird that she slept at the Tower of London before her coronation because you know the tower alone is like a scary place where people get executed but uh before really before henry started getting all scary the tower of london was actually like a pretty normal place like yeah sure people got executed there but uh queens generally slept in the tower of london in nice rooms uh before they became queens and that's what Anne did uh, on May 31st, Anne went on a procession down the streets of London on her way to Westminster Hall for an awesome feast that Henry had prepared for her. And on the way uh, to that feast, she would have seen performances on the streets for her. Uh, God, this must have been uncomfortable for her because she was like, she was like at least five, six months pregnant. And that must have been so uncomfortable for her to do like all, all that. And then, but, you know, at least she got to eat. That's nice. Uh, and the next day on uh, June 1st, she was officially crowned as Queen of England. Now, her coronation is kind of interesting to me for several reasons. Now, Henry was trying to 
turn up the dial to 11 to make sure everyone knew that Anne was his lawful wife and nothing was going to change that. Kind of like what uh, uh, Edward IV was trying to do with Elizabeth Woodville where he like pumped up all the pomp and circumstance and made her coronation very expensive so that people would be like, this is my queen, can't do anything about it. So I guess grandfather like grandson. Um, but Anne actually got an honor that Elizabeth Woodville did not at her coronation, and that was St. Edward's crown. Now, St. Edward's crown is usually reserved for crowning the actual monarch, like Henry, uh, but the fact that Anne was crowned with it was, like, huge. Like, that was a huge statement. When Catherine was crowned next to Henry, she didn't get that. So Anne was, like, totally winning right now. In fact, she had everything she could have ever wanted. Also, uh, when she was crowned, like most queens of England, she took a symbol and words to represent her as well as her family. Um, she chose the symbol of the white falcon, which was actually her family symbol, and her words were the most happy, which I think are are, are really cool symbols and words. I wish I could think of that. I So I have this like fantasy series that I wanted to work down on, and it's like very Game of Thronesy, and I'm having s- such a hard time coming up with... Um, house names, words, and symbols. It's not that easy, but I'm trying. Anyway, uh, Anne wore a very nice purple gown to her uh, coronation, so she must look fucking fantastic. Uh, after her coronation, the only thing Anne had to do now was, like, wait. She was queen. She was pregnant. She was only about, like, three months um, out from delivering her baby, and, uh, now that she was queen, she was starting to receive a lot of things that Catherine had when she was queen. Now, Anne had already gotten the crown jewels a couple of months before. (laughs) I have a bad joke about crown jewels that I'm not gonna say, but let's just say Anne had both crown jewels. I'm sorry, that was a bad joke. Anyway, um, But Anne was also expecting to get some of the uh, baby things that Catherine had, uh, like this special cloth that Catherine's mother, uh, Isabel of Castile, given her to wrap her children at baptism. And Anne wanted it because she, like, definitely knew the significance of that cloth. Uh, But she would not get it right away since Catherine basically refused to give up all her stuff, especially her baby stuff. Um... Anne's new household was starting to uh, come together at the time, and one of her ladies-in-waiting was a certain young lady named Jane Seymour. And, you know, she might be she might be important later. Who knows? Hmm. <laughs> um, in August of 1533, Anne entered her confinement. Now, if y'all don't remember what a confinement is, I shall explain to you. Basically, a few weeks out from a woman giving birth in this era, uh, they would go to their room, the windows would be shut, tapestries would be hung up, and uh, I believe candles would be lit, you know, for light. And you just had to stay there (laughs) until you had your baby. Which, like, I feel like that would be, like, fun, like, now, like, with Netflix, but, like, back then, like, what are you gonna do? You can just, like, read for, like... A month and a half or however long you were there that oh god I could not do that anyway finally on the 7th of September 1533 Anne gave birth and it was drumroll please it was a girl Boo. 
all I gotta say right now is yikes, because everyone was so sure that it was gonna be a boy. Astrologers told Henry that it was going to be a boy. Uh, to be fair, they were probably scared of him. So they were like, oh yeah, it's totally gonna be a boy. Henry actually had a joust planned, and, uh for the birth of his son, and uh, the official announcements had to be changed from prince to princess, which must have been awkward. Now, I'm sure Henry was, like, disappointed, but I actually think he still had hope. After all, um, the girl was healthy, and it was only the first try, like, Anne was still young, she could definitely have more children, so I doubt he was worried. It was a setback, but it wasn't really that big of a deal. And the little princess was named Elizabeth in honor of both of her grandmothers. If you forgot, uh, Henry's mom is Elizabeth of York, and Anne's mom is Elizabeth Howard. It's weird how well, you they had, the, had moms with the same names, but I guess it's really not that rare considering everyone in this era has the same goddamn name. You either are an Elizabeth, Anne, or Mary, or a Henry, Charles, or Edward in this time. Um, Elizabeth, little Elizabeth was christened at Greenwich Palace on the 10th of September, and, um, even though she was a girl, Henry still pulled out all the stops for her christening, um, Anne did not attend the christening, and you might think that was weird, but it was actually, like, super normal at the time, uh, because Anne had not been churched yet. I've talked about churching before. It's basically, uh, where they, I think they, like, sprinkle holy water on you and be like, we forgive you for your sin of childbirth, which is weird. I don't know why childbirth has a sin when that was, like, literally women's one fucking job in this time period was to have kids and they had to be forgiven, I guess. But basically, she hadn't been churched yet, so she couldn't rejoin society till then. So that's why she wasn't at the christening like she would have been if it was today. Okay, so I've decided to switch over to uh, Coca-Cola from the hot chocolate because I feel funny. So (laughs) I don't think I should probably drink that anymore. Anyway, uh, back into the story. Now, uh, one thing I want to talk about is about how Anne was as a mother, because I think there's this misconception out there that she really wasn't a good mom because she was disappointed that Elizabeth was a girl, which was just not the case from what I read. Anne, when she was Elizabeth's mother, she didn't really get to be the mother she wanted to probably be, because immediately after Elizabeth was born, she was taken away to be raised in a separate household, which was totally normal for the time period, but Anne hated it. Uh, If she had been the wife of a more minor noble, she definitely would have gotten to interact with her children, and since she came from such a close-knit family, this this was weird for her. She always wanted Elizabeth beside her. She loved Elizabeth. Uh, I, I read the story that she, uh, had Elizabeth on a cushion next to her throne, uh, like, all the time, and she, she loved having Elizabeth there, and a lot of people at court thought it was, like, embarrassing that she always wanted Elizabeth to be near her. Um, other than that, we don't really have much other documentation what she was like as a mother, but from what I read, I, it seems that she really loved Elizabeth, and that she was a bit of a, sorry, a bit of a unconventional mother. Now, speaking of Elizabeth, like I said, she was sent away to a separate household, and it was decided that Henry's daughter with Catherine of Aragon, now called the Lady Mary, should serve as her new uh, baby sister's, like, servant, like, helper, I guess. She wasn't really a servant, but, like, it was basically being a servant. And Anne, she was a bit paranoid, 
of Mary because with Mary alive and Catherine alive, Catherine was still there, um, she threatens little Elizabeth's position as the heir to the throne. And she was worried somehow, some way, Mary was going to be able to influence her father into just doing something to her or Elizabeth. But I I don't think Mary would have been able to do anything. I mean, if she wanted to, it probably probably would have happened if she wanted it to. Um, in uh, January 1534, it was announced that Anne was pregnant for the second time, and, you know, clearly she was fe- feeling really confident about it. Uh, in March of that year, when Anne went to visit Elizabeth at her house, um, Anne tried to make peace with Mary, and let's just say it didn't go well. If you think you have a bad relationship with your stepmom, oh, wait until you see what Mary and Anne had. Um... <laughs> Basically, Anne went up to Mary and she was like, hey, can you like accept the fact that I'm queen? And if you do, I'll talk to your father for you and maybe you can like come over for Christmas or something. And Mary very calmly, sorry, Mary said very calmly, I might add, I recognize no queen in England but my mother. And that just ended any possibility of Anna Mary ever getting along and Anne like flipped her shit about this she was so tired of Mary's crap and she just couldn't get over the fact that she wouldn't cooperate uh but not to worry about that the same month that that happened parliament passed the act of succession which officially made Mary illegitimate and Elizabeth the one and only princess England had and this was great for Anne, but as the months passed, no baby ended up arriving. No one's really sure what happened to this pregnancy that Anne had, but it doesn't seem that any preparations were made for her to give birth, so she must have lost it, like, pretty early on. I imagine this was, like, a huge blow to Anne, but, you know, I don't think she was really that deterred. Like, it was only the second pregnancy. She did it well the first time. She could do it again. Probably really wasn't that big of a deal to her. Now, I actually want to talk about uh, Anne and Henry as a couple because a lot of people seem to think that, like, they were at each other's throats the whole time that they were married, and I, I, I really don't think that's the whole truth. Um, Anne and Henry are an interesting royal couple to me because they are two very strong personalities in a marriage. Um, like I said, Anne was bold and charismatic with a big mouth that she couldn't shut up. Uh... <laughs> But one thing that was different in Henry and Anne than Henry and Catherine is that Catherine, she'd been prepared to be a queen her whole life, not to mention she had the world's greatest role model in Isabella for queenship. Meanwhile, Anne hadn't expected to ever be this important her whole life, and she was not nearly as good as being the perfect renaissance queen that she was supposed to be. Um, Anne was not as reserved as Catherine or uh, diplomatic. Sure, Henry liked his women smart, beautiful, and powerful, but there was also a limit to that. Catherine, I, I hate to say it like this, but Catherine knew her place. Anne didn't, which was a problem for Henry sometimes because when they had been courting, he liked the challenge. He liked that she was defiant. He thought it was hot. But uh, now that they were married, Henry was, like, really not too fond of how Anne, like, acted out and talked how she wanted. Um, But, like, besides that, they were actually a pretty happy couple for most of their relationship. It was just, like, super up and down because they were just 
such strong personalities clashing in a marriage, which I, I think is really interesting. I, I don't really think their relationship was that bad until, you know, the very end. <laughs> okay, so this is the part of the story where a bunch of religious stuff happens, so buckle your seatbelts, kids. It's about to get wild. Now, Henry had decreed that all the churches in England had to swear an oath to him, and for the most part, the churches did, but the ones that didn't were dissolved, and by dissolved, I mean Henry had them sacked and destroyed, um, which is, is actually sad because, like, England had, like, a lot of nice churches, and a lot of them, like, don't exist anymore because Henry was like, ah, time to steal. <laughs> Hold on, I gotta take a drink. Anyway, now it's often thought that the escalation of all this religious stuff was because of Anne. Uh, a lot of people think of her as like this evil reformist temptress, like whispering in Henry's ear, ear like, destroy the churches for me. But <laughs> that really wasn't what was happening. All this religious reform was like henry and he was taking it way too far i doubt she approved and it was just getting worse and worse uh henry ended up executing this dude named john fisher who was i believe he was a catholic priest and uh this dude named thomas moore another thomas in this era wow um who thomas moore refused to recognize henry as the head of the church of england uh which was a step so far out of line that uh francis the first of france basically broke off the bromance that him and henry had like francis liked thomas more so once henry executed him the bromance that great bromance that they had was over and uh guess where francis went he went running straight back to the pope which was a huge loss for henry because francis was really the only person who was giving henry and anne's relationship legitimacy now, side story I actually wanted to mention, even though this isn't really that important. Um, in 1535, it's believed that Henry took a mistress while he was married to Anne. Uh, her name was Madge, Shel- Madge Shelton, uh, who was Anne's cousin, apparently. And we don't really know how she felt about it. The story goes that Anne either orchestrated the affair herself, so Henry didn't sleep with someone she didn't like, or she was very upset by the affair and she went crazy about it. We really have no idea uh, just that Henry was sleeping with someone at the time. It might have been Madge, it might have been her sister. We we don't not really know who Henry was fooling around with, but probably bothered Anne. It would bother me. Okay, so I I always think that I'm clever with titles when I write this stuff. And you know, I never come and back to my scripts and like check what I write like once I'm done like I leave them for the two weeks when I write them in advance and I I love this title for this next section I thought I should share it uh it's, it's very dramatic uh the royal progress that changed everything I'm so dramatic anyway the royal progress that changed everything um in the summer of 1535 uh, Anne and Henry took a, a royal progress, which was basically like a tour, and this was like super common. Uh, they usually did it in the summer so that uh, servants could clean their musty palaces because, you know, they were living in it for so many times during the year and, you know, it needed to be clean every once in a while. Um, 
And on these progresses, they'd basically, like, couch surf at, like, different nobles' houses. And, it, you know, it, it was a great honor to have the king stay at your house. But uh, because the king brought the entire court with him, uh, a lot of people went bankrupt just trying to host Henry. Um, now, one of their stops was at this place called Wolf Hall, which was the home of a relatively obscure uh, English noble family called the Seymours, and this is where Henry would have probably properly met his future uh, third wife, Jane Seymour, who's hopefully going to get her own episode very soon. I plan to uh, get into Jane Seymour a lot sooner than I got into Anne's story, because she's going to be a lot simpler. She's only going to be a one-parter. Um, now, Anne didn't know it yet, but she was in the house of the family that were, would replace her in less than a year, which is a fucking terrifying thought to think about. Um, Anne and Henry spent about a week at Wolf Hall, uh, enjoying the hospitality until they eventually moved on to other estates. Uh, but there was good news on the horizon during this progress. Anne was preggers again. And, you know, she was, like, really sure this time that this, this one was gonna be the boy she needed. Uh, but really, it was the beginning of the end for her. Dun, 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 dramatic. Um, I also named this other section, uh, The Beginning of the End, because I'm a genius with titles. I'm a writer, after all. Um, in Christmas of 1535, Anne and Henry got some of the best news they'd probably ever had. Catherine of Aragon, who had been shut up in Kimbolton Castle in the countryside, um, was very sick and she was dying. And on January 7th of the new year, 1536, Catherine breathed her last breath. Rip to my girl Catherine, you know, she's my favorite out of the six. Now, after they got the news, there's this story from the, I think, like, the day after Catherine died that uh, Henry and Anne wore yellow to celebrate that she died. I, I don't remember if I mentioned this in my uh, Catherine of Aragon rep episode, uh, but I recently found out that that story's not entirely true, um... There's no mention in the original letter talking about Catherine's death that tells us uh, that Anne wore yellow. But, like, I'm pretty sure she was happy, as evil as it sounds. Uh, you know, her rival was dead. She was pregnant. Like, it was probably a great day for her. Um, but I, I'm, I don't think that she wore yellow, as far as I'm aware, a lot of people, like, tried to pass it off, even if it did happen, as, like, oh, yellow was the morning color in Spain, so if they did wear it, that's why they were wearing it, but I don't really think that's true. If if they did wear yellow the day after she died, that's a little petty. It's just a little petty, and I love you, but it's just a little petty. Um, the next coming months were going to be a little bit challenging uh, because Jane Seymour was currently in the eye of Henry. Um, at this point when he was courting Jane Seymour this early, I don't think Henry had any plans to replace Anne at this point. You know, she was still pregnant at the time. There was, there was no reason for him to think of replacing Anne. Um, but the thing is... Um, he wasn't really discreet with this one. Normally, he was pretty discreet with his affairs, especially when he was with uh, Catherine for most of their marriage. Uh, but he was not discreet with Jane Seymour. Um, Anne caught Jane sitting on the king's lap, which pissed her off, like, a lot. And um, 
Anne was like really aggressive with Jane, according to a couple stories I read. Um, she found Jane with a, a necklace uh, that had the king's picture in it, which was also a move I believe he pulled on Anne. Henry doesn't have a different playbook. He has one playbook and he uses it on all the girls he likes. And he he always sticks to it. But you know it works. Um, So Jane had this necklace on and Anne saw it. And she like snatched it off Jane's neck. Like it like left like an imprint on her neck. And like it hurt Anne's hand. And like a lot of people think like this is where she started getting like unhinged and crazy. But like I don't think that's the case. Like she she was territorial. And, like, it makes sense that she'd be, like, angry about it. Uh, but the icing on the rotten cake that was the next couple of months was when Henry got into an accident while jousting. Um, so he was jousting, which he probably shouldn't have been doing at his age. He was, like, he was in his late 30s at the time, I think. Wait, math. Hold on. He was getting up into his 40s at least, I forget. I'm sorry, I don't have time to do the math. But uh, he was jousting, and he got knocked off his horse, and then the horse fell on him, on him, and he was, like, knocked out for, like, a couple of hours, and Anne was, like, hysterical. Like, if he died, there would have been, like, a huge succession war between, like, teenage Mary, Anne, and little Elizabeth. Like, it would have been awful, but... I can't believe I'm saying this. Thank God Henry woke up. Um, Now, there's this theory out there that the fall from the horse is what changed Henry's personality and, like, gave him, like, brain damage. And, like, I, I kind of, like, agree with this theory. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. So, like, if anyone wants to talk with me about this theory of uh, Henry VIII having brain damage from this, I'd, like, I'd love to have that conversation. Uh, I'd be happy to be proved wrong, but uh, from what I've read, I really think that this fall was the change in his personality and kind of like made him really tyrannical. Um, I don't really have time to talk about the theory right now, uh, but y- you guys can look it up. There's a, there's a lot of great articles on it. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll gather some and, and find, uh, sorry, and post them on Twitter for you guys. And, uh, Less than a few days later, after uh, Henry fell off his horse, uh, Catherine of Aragon's funeral happened. And on that same day, it's like God woke up and chose violence. (laughs) Anne miscarried, which was a fucking coincidence and a half. It's almost like Catherine, from her grave, got the last laugh. And... I think it really sealed Anne's fate, and I, I I believe the the baby was checked. Like it was like she was far enough along in the pregnancy that they could tell what it was, and if the baby had been born, it would have been a boy, and Anne would have been set for life. And it's definitely at this point where Henry was starting to think, hmm, maybe this wasn't a good idea, and maybe I should get rid of her. Now by March, it was pretty obvious that the Seymour family was getting a lot more favor in court. Um, Jane's brother, uh, I believe it was her brother Edward, she had two brothers, both with pretty normal-ass English names. I bet the other brother was named, like, Henry or something, I don't know. Um, But I think it was Edward. He was moved into new apartments. He was already, like, 
a social climber in court, but you could tell that he was just getting this honor because of Jane. And this was threatening to Anne. She was probably, like, freaking out. Uh, Meanwhile, on Anne Henry's side, the relationship was um, fragile, to say the least. Um, And Henry was, like, kind of ignoring her, and Anne didn't like that. And because Anne wakes up and chooses violence a lot um she kind of tested her luck uh she got this priest i didn't write down the name of the priest but he was a priest and he delivered a sermon that basically scolded henry for his infidelity and oh henry was not not dealing with that he was pissed he had that guy arrested for slander against the king which was a serious charge and even despite the fact that Anne did that, most of the court, like, had no idea any of this was going on. There was even a trip to France planned, like, a couple months in advance. So, clearly the court wasn't worried about Anne getting replaced, but, uh, I think Anne was worried she was gonna get replaced. Um, I read this story then April, of 1536 she asked her a chaplain i don't i don't know what a chaplain is i guess is it is a chaplain the same thing as a confessor i'm not sure anyway she asked her chaplain matthew parker that if anything would happen to her would he take care of elizabeth and you know he he, he agreed um which i i think signals that she was worried um, a few days later, a dude named Alexander Aless saw Anne and Henry fighting f- from a window, like, he was, he was in a tower, like, and overlooking some gardens, I think, and he saw them fighting while he was looking out the window. Uh, according to him, Anne was, like, following Henry around while she was holding Elizabeth, and they were fighting very loudly. Um, and actually, uh, that same day, I guess maybe because she was upset from the fight that they had had, um, Anne entered into a conversation that would come up in her trial. Um, she got in an argument with this dude named Henry Norris. Now, Henry Norris, very important dude at court, um, he was actually engaged to her cousin. I actually think it was that cousin that slept with Henry. I think it was Madge Shelton. Um, and Anne asked Henry Norris why hadn't they gotten married yet? Um... And they got into a bit of a heated conversation, and with her big fat mouth, said, You look for dead man's shoes, for if harm came to the king, you would think to have me. And, oh my god, Anne, why the fuck did you say that? This was, I think this was one of the dumbest things she ever fucking said. Like, she she basically insinuated that if Henry were to die that Henry Norris would want her. Uh, This was so fucking dumb. Now, not long after she had this conversation, the first arrests having to do with Anne started, and the first person to get arrested was Mark Smeaton. Now, Mark Smeaton was a court musician in Anne's household, and, um, he, he he was a, a, accused of having an infidelity with her, and they interrogated him like it was the 1300s. Like, they went full medieval on him, and they could do this because he wasn't a noble, so it was, like, perfectly fine for them to torture him if they wanted to. 
Um, and after, I, I think it was a couple of days of torture, he eventually confessed to sleeping with the queen, which they took as proof. Because I, I think we've discussed this for, for a very long time. A lot of people thought that confessions under torture were more truthful. But realistically, he was going to say anything to make the pain stop. <laughs> so he, 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 he confessed. I'm using quotes over confessed because... That probably didn't happen. Um, on May 1st, Anne and Henry attended the May Day celebrations. I'm not quite sure what May Day is. I think it might be like a celebration of spring or like the 1st of May. I'm not sure. Um, now, while they were celebrating, Henry got up during the celebrations. Just He just left. He, he didn't come back. And this was the last time Henry and Anne would ever see each other on even good terms. Um, now, that same day, Henry Norris was arrested. Um, as was Anne's brother George, and uh, two other men, uh, Weston and Brayton, were also arrested and taken to the tower. Um, eventually, Anne was, uh, I think she was arrested, I think she was actually at a game of tennis, and they like went to arrest her, she was like, wait, but like the game's not over, I have a bet on this. <laughs> but she was arrested anyway, and she was summoned in front of a panel of, I, I believe it was of her peers and, like, several noblemen, um, and, at, the leader of the panel was her uncle, the Duke of Norfolk, as well as her old flame, Henry Percy, and, you know, she pleaded her case, she was like, I, I, I didn't do what you're, um, accusing me of, but at the end, she was officially charged with adultery and incest with her brother, She's gross, but, like, I'm fairly certain it didn't happen. I, I think the, the point of the incest charge was, like, they were trying their best to discredit her. Um, because Henry wanted her dead and he wanted her dead now. Um, there's also a common misconception during her, uh, her trial that she was accused of witchcraft. That's actually a myth. She was never formally charged with witchcraft, but, uh, she was charged with seducing the king into into marriage uh which I actually no to researching this episode I was like I I totally thought that she had been charged with witchcraft but it it doesn't appear anywhere on um on the list of charges that she was given um now Anne's actual official trial started not too long after she was accused of sleeping all the men she was accused of sleeping with um I looked at a lot of the evidence that, by evidence, I'm putting quotes over that again, that the, uh, that Henry's side had, and god, it was such a fucking kangaroo court, like, they were trying so hard to discredit her, but, like, the time she would have slept with, like, all five of these men, just, like, they don't match up, like, Henry's lawyers didn't need an airtight case, they just needed to slander Anne, and, like, they they basically gaslighted her, like, if they said it enough times, like, something would stick. And she was definitely not going to win no matter how hard she tried. Henry had actually ordered the executioner before Anne even went on trial. Like, she was, she was going to die. It didn't matter what she did. Um, when the guilty verdict was officially read out, Henry Percy, who was one of the men who condemned her to death, uh, he actually fainted when the uh, guilty verdict was read out. Now, I'm not sure if it's because he was, like, actually shocked and upset 
I mean, after all, they had had a whole thing a couple years ago. Maybe he was. Or I, I also read some reports that said he was sick, and that's why he, he passed out. But the point is, he fainted and was guilty she was going to die. Um, after her trial, she was escorted to the Tower of London to await her execution. And in an awful twist of fate, she stayed in the exact same room she had spent the night the night before her coronation, which is psychological torture. Fuck you, Henry. Jesus. Um, on May 17th, 1536, um, all the men who were accused of sleeping with Anne, including Anne's little baby brother, George, uh, were executed at the Tower of London. And I, I, I read a, a report that apparently from the window of Anne's apartment, she could probably, like, see where all the men were getting executed, and I can't imagine, uh, her having to watch her little baby brother die, who she was probably really close with, too, like, again, psychological warfare, fuck you, Henry, um, now, Anne's execution was set for May 18th, but she didn't end up dying that day, the executioner that Henry had ordered from France, uh, actually got delayed because, you know, the English Channel is really hard to cross and, you know, weather happens, you know, all the time. And they didn't have weather apps back then. So he got delayed. And Anne was, like, really upset about this. Like, she had been, like, pumping herself up all day to be ready. And I, I actually love this quote that she said to the guy who told her that her execution was delayed, and I'm going to read it to you. Mr. Kingston, I hear I shall not die before noon, and I am very sorry, therefore I thought to be dead by this time and pass my pain. And the guy who uh, was telling her that her execution was delayed told her, um, there will be no pain. Uh, and then Anne said, yes, I heard the executioner was very good, and I have only a little neck. And then she grabbed her neck with her hands, and she started laughing like, hysterically, and, and, god, that's so grim, I can't imagine the kind of stress she was under, she, she must have been fucking terrified, like, you know, I, I have daily panic attacks about the fact that I'm gonna die someday, um, and, like, it freaks me out, like, I, if, if I had the choice of how I want to die, I, I probably couldn't pick, because, like, I don't want to go in my sleep, because, like, that scares me, but I also don't want to die in some, like, super traumatic way either, and I, I wouldn't have been as calm as she was under these circumstances. Um, the next day on May 19th, Anne woke up, uh, she had her last mass, she got dressed in a black gown with a red underskirt, uh, which, uh, red usually symbol, symbolizes martyrdom. Uh, so that's probably why she, uh, wore that, uh, and apparently when she got up onto the, uh, stand where, uh, she was going to be executed, apparently she was cool as a cucumber, and, uh, there's a speech that I found that she, she apparently gave, uh, I'm not sure how true this is, but I'm going to read it for you guys. She said, good Christian people, I come hither to die for according to the law and by the law I am judged to die and therefore I will speak nothing against it. I am come hither to accuse no man, nor to speak anything of that. Wherefore, I am accused and condemned to die. But I pray God, save the king, and send him long to reign over you. For a gentler nor a more merciful prince was there ever, and to me he was an ever good and gentle, gentle sovereign lord. And if any person will meddle of my cause, I require them to judge the best. And thus I take my leave of this world and all of you. I heartily desire that you pray for me. O Lord, have mercy on me. To God I commend my soul. 
and she she was so cool about it. Um, after she gave her speech, um, her ladies who were with her uh, took off her jewelry and the French hood she was wearing um, and paid her executioner, which was a, a totally a normal thing for her to do. Uh, she knelt on the straw that was uh, put down there for her so, you know, her knees would be comfortable. Um, a blindfold was put over eye, her eyes and she waited for the swordsman to uh, kill her. Now, what's actually interesting about her execution is that she was executed by sword rather than an axe. Um, it was more of an efficient means of killing her, especially if the swordsman was really good. If he could do it in one fell swoop, she wouldn't feel anything, which I, I guess is a little more merciful of Henry. Um, and is actually the only cool thing he ever did for her. Um, so she was executed by sword and in one swell fell swoop yeah that's the expression is it isn't it fell swoop Anne Boleyn became the first queen in English history to be executed no less than a few weeks after Anne Boleyn was executed Henry got engaged to Jane Seymour where he would eventually get that son he wanted so much and that is really the end of Anne's life now now I don't even know where to start with Anne's legacy I mean I think one of the biggest things that uh came from her being queen was her having her daughter who eventually became Elizabeth I. I mean, Elizabeth was one of the greatest monarchs England ever had, and I think that Elizabeth is definitely a part of Anne's legacy. Um, other things like Anne being uh, ambitious and a champion for the Reformation, um, but unfortunately one of the things she's usually most remembered for is the slander that was written about her after she died. I mean, when you're dead, you can't defend yourself, and I think that's what Henry wanted. He wanted the world to remember her as this horrible person who was a whore and a temptress, and that it was all her falls, and it's it's just awful, but... It, <laughs> Thanks to uh, historians, uh, Anne's legacy has lived on very positively. Uh, she She's usually uh, pretty popular. She's usually the most popular wife out of all six. Uh, personally, she's only, like, number four in popularity for me. I, I love her, but just, like, not that much. I'm, I'm not going to give my uh, official ranking because I don't want people to yell at me <laughs> because of differing opinions, but... Anne's only number four for me, but I, I've definitely come to appreciate her a lot more while uh, doing a series on her. Um, I want to thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed this two-parter. I will see you guys very soon for the next episode. Bye! Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you have any suggestions for topics, you can just DM me on Twitter at LongMaceyRain2. The N at the end of rain is replaced with a 2 instead. I'm also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and like a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, don't forget to rate and review this podcast on all those platforms. It really actually does help the show so much and it will help me grow my audience. So I would absolutely appreciate it if you guys could do that. All right. Uh, bye.